Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to the weekly Manchester United show. I'm your host, as always, uh, Phil Brown, joined with my regular co-host, my magnificent Colin McGuigan. Back this week, of course, Colin, out in New York uh, at the moment. So uh, you have a lot of boxing activity going on there. Uh, for those who don't know, this man is Michael Conlon, the boxer. He is his representative and, of course, does a lot of work also in boxing. So you had a fighter at uh, Madison Square or Hulu Center this last weekend or was it the weekend before, didn't you? Yeah, I made it last weekend in the Hulu Theatre at Madison Square Garden. So one of our Condon boxing fighters, uh, Kieran Malloy, but unfortunately his opponent got COVID. So the fight was uh, called off in the last minute. Um, so, yeah, it was a disappointing week all in all, but we're getting there. See you next time that happens, mate. Give me a bell. I'll be out there. I bet the ballot to the end of the week. Oh, shwag. Oh, mate, I'll be out there. Maybe I'll be out there. Maybe I'll be out there. Well, that's of course our all our great love uh, boxing, both myself, come massive boxing fans, and um, you know, so and hopefully make, of course, Clayton Mariaga here August sixth, I believe. At, uh, uh, at August sixth in Belfast. Uh, so if any if anyone wants uh, wants tickets, there's limited tickets remaining. So get yourself online to ticketmaster.co.uk. You, you go. There. Uh, don't also forget, folks. The BTP shirts. We're going to have a whole new lane coming out here very, very soon. Uh, sexy gear. Um, and so um, looking forward to that because a lot of it with, uh, with the, the shirts that we're selling right now, 100% of the proceeds, 100% of everything goes towards mental health, uh, mental health charity in Belfast. And uh, But we're going to be offering some new stuff. And uh, some will be going towards the charity, some won't, none of it's profit driven. So um, we'll divide that up against other charities, but we'll be completely transparent about where the money's going uh, and all that there. Um, so um, if you could dip your hand in your pocket for mental health folks, you know, it's very much appreciated, but we will be working with some other charities. Uh, and uh, we're in discussions with some of those at the moment about uh making sure we support as many people as possible. Really enjoyed doing the United podcast last week with James from United Muppeteers. If you haven't had a chance to check that out yet, folks, um, uh, I'll, I'll highly recommend it. If you've got nothing else to do, like put your, like bang your head up against the brick wall. Right? <laughs> but, uh, no, it was good crack. It was good crack. Uh, obviously, Nate, lots to talk about with what's going on. It's been an event for a week, to say the least, with the Richard Arnold videos. Um, we'll discuss that. We'll discuss some of United's transfer business or lack thereof um, and a few other things that are going on around the football club at the moment. Obviously, pre-season, a week away, more or less. Um, So first of all, mate, uh, are you comfortable with what United have or haven't done this summer? Comfortable would would be the the wrong terminology for me. Um, Mm. I think I'm hopeful that something happens with Frankie de Jong very soon. So I think mm-hmm. it's a it's a matter of when, not if. On that one, I think we could both testify yeah. to that. Um, I think probably the same goes for Anthony. Um, but to be honest, I'm annoyed that we let Darwin mm-hmm. Nunez go because me, me and you both discussed this week on week on the podcast and, mm-hmm. and we kind of were under the illusion that we need a striker He's probably top three strikers out there at the moment in terms of what we need and what we want. So therefore, we should go and get it. Um, but 
it's one of those things like why did we not send him what was the reasons why we didn't send him where's where's the communication on why we didn't send him give us a bit of reassurance that we're still in the market for someone who's just as good as Darwin Nunez if not better but we're not getting that so I think then that, that creates a bit of a an environment where the fans become a bit restless me and you're sitting here twiddling our thumbs saying right when's Frankie De Jong getting announced because we need him there's just so many needs at the moment and not enough time so I think that's where kind of comes down to at the moment for us what bothered me about, uh, about some of this is um, Liverpool know Manny's leaving right and um, before Manny can walk out the door his replacement's in the door right that's yeah. proper contingency planning that's exactly mm-hmm. what should happen so United have known that Pogba's leaving for a year more or less except that they haven't known who their manager's going to be for a year but they've known for a while right Mm-hmm. And so part of the problem is there's desperation on both sides. Barcelona also sanctioned desperation. They know, you know, is it really palatable to go back to Eric Ten Hag and say, Eric, the other debate matches you know, your primary target that's uh, fundamental to your success here in the way the football club plays, we're not going to get that one done yet. Right? But I'll tell yeah. you what, we'll get you, we'll get you a plumber. Now, one of the first <laughs> things that Liverpool fixed on their club was if I want a left back, I get a left back. If I want a right back, I get a right back. If I want a centre back, that's what I get. Now, you need to have had a problem with that. And yeah. so when we get promises of change and everything else, okay, anyone can promise anything. You know, with United, it's always the proofs in the poop, right? Because <clears throat> one of the things our masters at is spin. And of course, that's part of the commercial yeah. appeal of the football club, right? So... When we look at this and going, Frankie de Jong should have been done the week after Ten Hag was announced. Secondly, mm-hmm. you needed to have to have a little bit more confidence than one deal at a time. Thirdly, I completely understand that they're saying, well, what we spend on de Jong will be contingent upon what we have available for other signings. Okay. Well, why don't you have a ceiling for De Jong and say, what, what we know is we will definitely not pay more than 70 million for De Jong, no matter what. So let's do the yeah. other business based on that. Right? Mm-hmm. And Colin, if money is really that tight at United, where they're not capable of doing that, then what we're watching here, as I said on Twitter last week, and really got eviscerated for it, was... Uh, United are in their own total street. They're in their own death spiral. And yeah. we'll get into the Retorona videos in a minute because there's certain things that I want to pick up on that I felt were mendacious and really uh, quite perfidious. But uh, the Darwin Nunez thing, I'm not surprised didn't happen. If you go back to our podcast earlier, Matt, we were having a discussion about why United would spend $150 million on Harry Keane, right? And I said, there's no way they want to do it. One, the club just don't have the money, which was clearly revealed in those Richard Arnold discussions, right? Um, mm. Every problem that Richard Arnold laments was created by Richard Arnold, Edward, Wood, and the Glazers. Every yeah. single one of them, right? And when you're getting rid of someone like Ralph Ranick, Ralph Ranick got mm-hmm. sacked not because of what he said. It wasn't that United didn't want to hear it. They didn't want you to hear it. Because it's very difficult to square the circle and say we're comfortable with our business when you've got football experts 
whose raison d'etre, whose primary skill is building football clubs. Right? I mean, if yeah. you're going to hire Ralph Ranjik, mate, you're doing one or two things, and this gets overlooked quite a bit, which it needs, shouldn't be. So Ralph Ranjik has got one of two skills, right? He's got, he's either mm-hmm. coming in as an exceptional coach, great, right? study a ship, get you through the end of the season. The message coming out of United towards the end of the season was he's an awful coach. Okay, yeah. so the director, the director of football get another coaching appointment wrong? Another one? Mm-hmm. So the interim to replace the interim wasn't good enough? Okay, so you got that appointment wrong again, right? Or let's just say none of that was true. He actually was an exceptional coach, but the conditions inside the football club made it impossible. Okay, or again, an awful indictment on the director of football and the people responsible for having a competitive football team on the pitch. Okay, um, and it makes no sense to me. Let's say he was an awful coach, but a brilliant director of football, which is essentially what he is. You're going to get rid of him mm-hmm. because he does his job because he doesn't tell you what you want to hear. Every single problem at United exists because they ignored the advice of people like Van Hall, of people like Mourinho, of people like Solskjaer, who has been telling them for nine on 10 years, you need a football structure. Having a football structure at a football club that produces football results is not alchemy, right? This is football. This is not rocket science, okay? It's yeah. relatively simple if you have strict control parameters from the top and you have very clear definition of what success is, and your players, your employees are incentivized primarily to accomplish football goals. They're not primarily incentivized to achieve commercial goals. I'm not saying you can't have that, but it can't be the most, they can't be the determining factor metric as to whether you have values in it or not. It should not have anything to do with commercial value. So to me, Matt, I think one of the reasons why I think the young will happen is one, they're obviously conscious of the fact that they're being massively criticized over the, the, the dividends. Two, you can't turn around and say United have uh, entered a period of, of, of competence and direction when you can't pull off the most important signing, Derek Ten Hag, right? I mean, you can't, it, it's, it's, it's insane, it's nonsense. So also what they'll be conscious of and this, to me, is one of the most important aspects of this, is the mood of sponsors. Sponsors badly, badly need a gift, something that changes the mood. Now, but uh, if, I, if I could just stop, stop there. Yeah, just let me say this one why point. Yeah, go I'm going to give you the floor. I'm going to give you the floor when I finish this one point, right? Because this is the last part that concerns me. When you talk to people, um, you talk to people at United, they'll say, Ten Hag has brought renewed optimism amongst the staff and everything else. The problem with that, Colin, is there's a difference between happiness and pleasure. And you shouldn't confuse the two. Eric Ten Hag has brought pleasure like a drug brings you pleasure. But that's not going to make bring you happiness. That comes from something that isn't gimmicky. That isn't, here's a little gimmick, now be happy. No, that comes from a successful football team that's sustainable, that shouldn't be Eric Ten Hag. People shouldn't be happy because Ten Hag brought them. People should be happy because there's a strong working environment, an exceptional working environment that, that's positive, that lasting changes that bring about lasting happiness, not temporary pleasure. And you need to have to know the difference. Okay. So with everything you've just said, right, and I, I agree with most of it, 
Why did we not move for a striker when we had the floor to move for a striker? We had we had every everything was lined up that we have to move for a striker. The the dogs in the street know that we need a striker. So why did we not move for a striker whenever Liverpool moved for Darwin Nunez? And by the way, whenever Liverpool yeah. got that done, dusted in such a like United of old fashion, it was done, dusted before anyone even got the the word out about it. Really, so why did we not move? Well, the bottom line is this: is two reasons. Number one, Darwin Nunez preferred Liverpool over United. So as long as United and Liverpool were in for him, he wanted Liverpool. Right. Two. When United are trying to stretch a budget across multiple different positions, they're going to Ten Hag with a priority list and saying, okay, what is your priority? Because essentially what they're going to pay for De Jong, that's what it would have taken to get Nunez there or thereabouts. So they would have the ability to do that. The difference is, mate, Liverpool are in a position where they don't need to make six or seven changes. So United certainly looked at this and said, Ronaldo down the middle, can we play an 85, 90 million pound striker week in, week out in the same position as Cristiano Ronaldo next season? Most likely, no. But, but to me, then that makes no sense because mm-hmm. the one thing we were crying out from, from January last year until the end of the season was another striker. So, so how, how do you solve that problem? How do you solve the problem the, with playing Ronaldo? You have to be no, I, I don't know, mate. I, I honestly don't know. I'm asking you the question. What would you do if what you were I'm saying we have to be bullish in the transfer market, number one. Yes, we're, we're not Manchester United of old. Yes, we're not in the Champions League, but we still have the stature of being Manchester United. And I think we need to stamp down our authority in the transfer market in that respect. And for me, it's not it's not about... You know, we both know Ronaldo can play off the left. We both know Ronaldo isn't going to play every game next season, especially as he's another year older. Yes, he'll want to. Can he play in the two? Yes, I think he can play in the two. Ronaldo... Is not the type of player who can run in behind. He's better with his back to goal, holding up the ball. Get, he, he's, he's not the type of player who's going to run in behind. We need someone like that alongside him. Now, whether, like, I don't want to see this, but whether the club are trying to save pennies and they're going to have Anthony Martial back next year with him, Rashford, Sancho, there's three winger type striker options that you've, you've got. I don't know if that's what they're going to just rely on and say, you know what, we're not going to move for a striker this year. If that happens, to me, we're just back to square one again. Mm. I, th- I do, I, like, I'm I'm pretty confident we're going to get Anthony. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty confident that he comes just due to the fact that it's Ten Hag, due to the fact that he had a relationship with him previous, and also a bit of a panic buy from United because they know that the fans aren't going to be happy. I have to say, I agree with him. some of that, not a little bit. A couple of things. Um, United are not saying an Anthony. Um, in a panic buy, to be fair, right? United uh, will stand out to me because that's what Ten Hag requested. So, uh, to be fair to United, the one thing that they can't do this summer is make statement signings, right? That's for all the wrong fucking reasons. Sorry, my language. <laughs> you know, what United need to do is make signings and improve the football team. All the gimmicky stuff, forget about that. That's the, you know, in the years going by, that was what you needed to do, right? We're going to, we are a shiny new toy. The problem is the novelty of that wears off after your first defeat, your second defeat. And then that sending, and, and the perception of that sending completely changes into a negative. So the, what, what you needed need to do is they need to 
follow the instructions that Eric Ten Hag gives them. If Ten Hag wants a player that you know, most United fans don't like or don't want, well, that's just the way it goes because it's not about that. It's not about what I want. It's not about what fans want. It's about what Ten Hag wants. That's what you need to do. Don't make signings because it's going to lift the mood. Don't make signings because uh, it's going to change momentum. Don't make signings because it's going to make people happy because it doesn't. They need to make signings that are going to improve the football club and make sure that we're not dealing with the polemic nonsense every week where basically you're dealing with sugar highs where people are so ecstatic yeah. over signing and then all of a sudden it's over in 15 minutes because they didn't improve well, the team. <clears throat> what so, I'm, I'm going to do here is yeah. just incorporate, incorporate in some of the questions that we're getting on Twitter and Instagram and stuff, right? As yes. we're going on, because yes. it's it a yep. subject, right? Yep. So one of, one, of the one, one of the ones we've got here is, realistically, how many signings do we think that we're going to end up with this summer? So in your opinion, Phil, how many do you think that uh, we're going to end up with at the end of the summer? I would say probably four, and I include Ericsson in that, right? So probably three. So you, think, you, think, you think we're going to sign Ericsson? I'd say it's a, it's a good possibility. Uh, United are definitely interested in him. Um, I think of all the options that are out there, United are the best. Um, so I would say probability-wise, there's a decent probability Christian Eriksen will sign for United. Um, I, and look, to me, I think Eriksen's an exceptional signing. There's zero risk. He's in the smack bang prime of his career. I think he offers more than what United had with Pogba. Uh, I think, obviously, with Van Der Beek coming back, it's no means a settled question that we're going to see all of a sudden a world-class player. And if Van Der Beek can only play well for Eric Ten Hag, which I don't believe, um, that would be a concern for me. So uh, I think Eriksen adds quality and experience that team um, and uh, isn't going to demand to start every week. I think De Jong will be signed because, you know, you need to turn around and say they have alternatives, mate, right? But do they? Who? Right? And secondly, it's going to be a difficult sell with the United fans if they don't sign De Jong on the basis of a 10 million difference between the valuation when the Glazers are taking out 11 million dividends and whenever Ten Hag has designated him as the most important signing yeah. that United need to make. So I think that will happen. Um, possibly a centre-back. Uh, but if I was going to pick, I would say Ericsson will happen. I think Anthony is a very real possibility. I have it on a very good authority that it's unlikely United will even move for a central striker this summer. Um, so Anthony makes sense. I, uh, I, so, and I, I actually will be nervous about having a repeat of the David Norris situation. And uh, Okay, but another question that stems from this is, would he be the only signing that we will make from Ajax? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, so, he, in other words, Lissandro Martinez uh, or yeah. Julian Timber. So, yeah. Lissandro Martinez is a left-footed centre-back. And this goes back to what I was saying before. So, Solskjaer wanted a left-footed centre-back two years ago. Right? Mm -hmm. This was, you know, of course, talked about ad nauseum that season. He had a badly needed left-footed centre-back. Never got one. What did you wanted a left-footed centre-back? Never got one. So here we are sitting having a conversation about a player 
that you never have needed to address for years. And this is the problem, mate. Whenever, if you want to know how you spend a billion on nothing, that's on account, this is how you do it. Okay, I want this right winger. Well, I can't get him, but you know what we did do? We sent this made in the left back. We're six of them. We don't have a right winger. I know. Right. Uh, I want I want Bellingham and I want Holland. Okay. You end up getting Alexis. That's how you spend a billion and have nothing to show for it. Whenever there is no joined up strategy from the manager recruitment to uh, the money men who execute, you're going, look, you can't do this. Ken ha- or, uh, uh, Ranyak said, when you needed a defensive midfielder that summer, why did you go out and sign Palestri, Cavani and Van der Beek? None of that addresses any of the weaknesses that you have. Right? Solskjaer wanted to sign Thiago, right? because he needed a link man from midfield. Never didn't get it. So now here we are back looking at a Frankie Toulon to do exactly the same thing. Maguire needs that player. So I don't think United are in a position to have any credibility uh, with sponsors and everything else. All of them are asking questions that they could turn around and say, we're not getting Frankie De Jong done because uh, of a 7 million, 10 million euro valuation. Like it, it, it's, it's, it's absurd. Yeah, doesn't doesn't make much sense. And to be honest, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think I think that deal is is all. But I think done. I'll get, I said that. Yeah, I think that. I think one, by the end of this week. Yes, I think by the end of this week we'll have that done and dusted. Again. I agree. Again, I, if if we don't, then it all comes back on the Richard Arnold, the Glazers. There's too much. Hundred percent. The club, the club don't want that at the moment. So I, I think that's that's a cert. Someone said here, Phil Standish on Twitter mm-hmm. has wrote. Do you think the Frankie De Jong deal is being used as a smokescreen to protect other deals going on in the background? Nah, I personally don't. No I'm not sure no what way. you think. But nah, I listen. Think so I think, yeah. I've spoken to people, numerous people um, involved in this, and the interest is 100% genuine, authentic. So there's no way you know, they're using that as a smokescreen. And this is actually goes back a little bit about what are we saying when they're saying they've got alternatives? Who? Yeah. You know, I mean, who do you think would stand out as a defensive ball-playing midfielder that you need a badly need that's an obvious alternative to Dion? I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think there's an obvious alternative. Also, you need to plan the game of we're the only interested party, so Barcelona will have to bring their price down. Here's the thing, mm. Tom. Right. So I understand the need to be prudent. I understand you need to say, look. We're not going to throw money at this. We've done that in the past. And it's never really worked. We're going to be sensible with how we spend. Okay, but you have to count into a few different things. One, you have to realize where United are, right? You can't be going into the market with the hubris that you've just won the European Cup in the league and everyone should be crawling over broken glass to play for you, right? Manchester yeah. United to you and me are a massive football club, but imagine you're a kid born in Amsterdam or anything else. I mean, the relationship between Ajax and Barcelona you know, is far greater than any relationship with any other football club. And you and I grew up with United fans, but lots of these players don't. We couldn't care less. And if you're a top player, what happened with Darwin Nunez has happened in reverse so many times. You know, Liverpool, we are where Liverpool were under Hudson, right? Surviving on the past, watching our greatest rivals, Miles Ahead. 
And for United to catch Liverpool and catch City, part of what's going to have to happen isn't the fact that United are going to have to get significantly better. They're also going to have to get a little bit worse. So when you look at what's happening with United, the full scale of what's been done is being made clear with players no longer interested in coming there. And a lot of the players that have turned United down are players with international teammates at the football club. Imagine what Cavani told Darwin Nunez. Cavani basically went on strike the last six months of the season yeah. because he wasn't allowed to leave in January. That should never 100%. have been allowed to happen. And when you have a football club, mate, where you're reading they need to sell players in order to recruit key players this summer, why wasn't Paul Pogba sold a year ago? Why? I mean, if you take yeah. a look at Real Madrid, why was Lingard? Yeah, yeah. Lingard should have been gone. Lingard should have been allowed yeah. to leave last summer, right? Hundred percent. So when his when his United could have got 35, 40 million from this Dean Henderson, what are we going to do? Loan Dean Henderson out until his contract expires and then give him away on a free? Yeah, He's a young up. goalkeeper in his prime. Sell him, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. He's English. Get the money for him. Get rid of him well, now. He's not going to make it at Man United. It's as simple as that. And I think we're just, it's it's the same thing with Jesse Lingard where we just waited and waited and waited. And you know what? We ended up getting nothing for him. So well, what's the point in doing that again? Let me ask you this. Let's just say tomorrow morning you wake up and Dean Henderson has left to join Watford or, or to join uh, Forest. Uh, Forest, sorry. Or, or, um, or whoever else is in for him, Newcastle, whatever. And United have signed Bachman as a replacement. Are United stronger or are they weaker? They're weaker. So what do you think they're... But yeah, if you, if you, I, I think I think Dean Henderson's a better goalkeeper than Bachman. Yeah, There's a reason well, why Newcastle and, and Forrest don't want Daniel Bachman. So clearly, yeah. if you need to get rid of Dean Henderson, bring in Bachman, they're weaker. Right? What happens if De Gea gets injured? And which is a very real possibility. Oh yeah, hundred percent. By the way, have you seen his? Have you seen the stats on it? One of the only goalkeepers that's worse coming for crosses in the hair. But at the at the same time, there will be another five Dean Hendersons that come through the United System over the next ten years. They're selling that. That's what I'm saying. Why that's do you want to loan him with no option to buy? Yeah, it doesn't make Stop doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, see, this is what I'm talking about. There's that Eric Bailly. I've got a new contract. He's another one Why? I would get rid of. What was the point giving him a new contract? He's yeah. injured more than he plays. He, well, okay, he's, he's, he's good 60% of the time, but another 40% of the time, he's like Bambi on ice. But I, I personally, I, I'm going to be honest, but it's come from a purely uneducated perspective. I never, I, I, when the games that I've watched Bailly play, he's been significantly, significantly better than Harry Maguire, right? There's clearly some liability issues with, with him being rice and stuff. But Lam, Kyrie Maguire's a liability from the first minute to the last. There's a, there's a, there's a mistake okay. in him after. It's a constant mistake, constant mistake. But what I will say about by clearly, 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 it's a multi-dimensional issue. There's things that's going on off the pitch that's affecting by uh, and his selection uh, well, this, suitability. This, this brings me on to another question here. Do you think mm-hmm. that Harry Maguire will be stripped of the captaincy? In my opinion... I think Ten Hag will go for a fresh approach and I could see him saying that Harry Maguire is no longer the captain, but they will make it out that he hasn't been stripped. Um, in my opinion, that's how it will go down, but everyone will know that, that he has been stripped of the captaincy. If he doesn't, mm. 
what 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 is the the downside to how we go into this yeah. next season? Here's the thing, mate. Right, how Maguire shouldn't even be in Manchester United's team. Never mind their captain. Right, mm-hmm. I have serious concerns about whether we'll ever see the Harry Maguire we saw a couple of years ago. Right, because to me, a big part of Maguire's problems look mental, and he looks like a football pitch is the last place in the world he wants to be. And every mistake, like if you watched him against Hungary, mate, he was appalling, right? Yeah, for England. Um, and they had a period when Leicester won the league of two or three years where he was a good centre back, right? Now anyone that's worked anywhere will know that once you demote an employee, they almost it almost never works out. Is their morale is on the floor, they don't feel valued, blah, 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 right? Um, Maguire's in this awful predicament where if he surrenders a captaincy, he's going to be locked on as being weak, right? But, mm-hmm. if, but, but it might salvage his reputation a bit where people might look at him and say, okay, you know what? He didn't get stripped. It's not a demotion, blah, blah, blah. But for the good of the team, he has to be stripped. Now, I know for a fact there was issues between him and Ronaldo earlier in the season, which he denied, right? But that's just, I'm not getting into it, but I know for a fact there was, right? Yeah. So United need a harmonious dressing room. And so to me, I think uh, United have a lot of work to do there. And I think uh, with Maguire, it's a difficult season, but it's one that's going to have to be made. And uh, I think that, um, I think I think they will strip him, yes. Okay, so this leads me to my next question. If you strip Harry Maguire, who is your out and out captain? Because to me, it's probably Ronaldo, in my opinion. Um, not not because he, he is a massive talker, but he leads from his performances on the pitch. You'll probably disagree with me. But I just um, don't know who, who's captain material in that squad other than like De Gea or Ronaldo. Yeah, it's not obvious, and obviously those are the two you'd stick. Yeah, uh, you you would pick out. Come would be uh, De Gea, Ronaldo, based on experience, based on the fact you know the senior players in the dressing room. Um, but here's the thing, right? Uh, when you talk about leaders, right, that starts off the pitch. Okay, doesn't start oh, yeah. on the pitch. Uh-huh. So Richard Arnold's responsibility, first of all, is to provide leadership. And that comes in many different forms. So Richard Arnold, uh, he has to provide an environment where, one, he's respected. For that to happen, he has to be consistent on his promises. He has to incentivize players the right way. He has to prioritize winning football matches more than anything else. And there has to be a ruthlessness with how you needed to run that football club. So when we talk about Paul Pogba, and I'm not just going to use him, there's many examples, right? Paul Pogba should have, should have been sold, not because he wanted to run his contract down, but because of the absolute circus that surrounds him with Mina Riola, right? Mm-hmm. And this is, isn't Paul Pogba, right? This goes for anyone. Because once one of the problems with United and the dynamic that they have is... Once they start losing, it becomes completely adversarial. So players aren't losing as a team. They're losing as individuals. That's the consequence of monetizing 
damage rates to death because I mean, the raison d'etre of, uh, of, of a uh, PR company is to make sure they deflect criticism and blame from their clients. And the first thing they do is leak stuff about other players so that the coverage is not my client, their client. You cannot produce a winning environment in that scenario because you immediately pit people against each other, right? And so that's whenever it becomes zero sum. That's whenever my interests are in direct conflict of yours, right? Something needs to be done about that because that to me is a massive driver of a lot of United's problems. And so once United start, it's great when everything, when, when everyone's winning, PR companies are, aren't needed. You know, that pendulum swings really, really heavy in, in, in a positive direction when things are doing well. The praise is unbelievable. You're feeling top of world. But when it's not, the opposite happens. And Manchester United, by its very nature, are a football club set up that incentivizes players to leak negative things about their teammates. This okay. also, just let me finish on this, mate, because um, mm-hmm. I tweeted something out on Friday and I'd stand by to my death even though the football club disagree with me. I said morale among staff players is as low as I've known it. That is an absolute factual statement, right? Um, and here's the thing, mate. It's low for uh, completely avoidable reasons. Now, I hope Richard Arnold comes in and does a really good job. I do. I wish him nothing but the best, right? Um, but there's no way, in my opinion, he did not know he was being he was he was being recorded because for the last month his private emails have been spliced all over Twitter, which he knew, which to me then ended up making those emails entirely performative because he knew they were essentially public statements. If he really went to that meeting and didn't think there's a strong possibility I'm going to be recorded here, then I'm giving him too much credit. And I and just to finish on this, mate, two things. One, what he said about the glazers to me, was entirely performative. They're rock-solid people. They're not afraid. Stop it, Richard, right? Certainly, they're afraid of losing money. Secondly, Edward Woodward wasn't thrilled with those comments. And I'm not going to say much more on that, right? Clearly hurt. Uh, and it's common practice to blame the guy on the way out on everything. But... Not exactly accurate. Right. Let, let me ask you this, right? Now, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I know it's going to rub you up the wrong way, so I'm giving you, I'm giving you a bit of an advance on this, right? Do you not half-rate the fact that Richard, Richard Arnold came out on his own back? People will say he only came out because his house was going to be, there was going to be a protest outside his house. People will say he was afraid of the backlash for his family. Mm-hmm. People will say a million and one things. But you know what? All of this happened to Ed Woodward. And guess what Ed Woodward didn't do? Ed Woodward didn't come out and speak to the fans. No one from the football club has been out to speak to the fans and I don't know how many years. You know the exact years the last time we heard from someone inside the football club at that level? No, you can't answer because no one knows. I'm going to answer it. I'll tell you on that. <laughs> do you want me to answer Okay, well. Yeah, go give, give me how long ago. And this is, this is part of my point. Oh, hold on now. Because to be fair to Edward Ward, when he took the job, he did meet with fans. I mean, I sat with him the first summer he took the job. And he made an effort. He did exactly what Richard Arnold was doing. He made an effort to communicate 
he did interviews, he made, I mean, David Gill didn't speak to anybody ever, right? Yeah. So, and that's consistent with someone that has something to hide, that has no credibility, that can't look you in the eye and contradict everything they've been saying for years, like that is the road to ruin everything else. So uh, to be fair to admit, and, and, and to be fair to everyone else, it's easy to forget that because it's been a long time and it wasn't the long sustained period. So I can understand where that comes from. But to be fair to Ed, he did. I mean, he he sat and talked okay. to the issue. He but. sat and talked to the other fanzines about uh, a lot, made a lot of promises. And uh, what was done to Richard Arnold, mate, uh, was, uh, to me, extremely unethical. Okay, but... At the same time, mm-hmm. it wasn't as tough of a situation as Richard Arnold is in now when Edward Ward sat down with these fan scenes or whatever. So, first of all, I forgot about that. Secondly, it really wasn't as a toxic environment as it is now. So, I half rate what Richard Arnold done because it shows he's got a pair of bollocks. No, you, you, listen, can, you can disagree with me all you No, know, I'm not disagreeing with him. But I, I, I commend him for that. I commend him for doing it. Sorry, mate. Go ahead. No, all the point I want to make is is that we are seeing change at the football club for once. Yes. And that is positive. So we need to play on those positives because otherwise it's just it's a vicious circle. It continues, it continues, it 100%. continues. And, and we don't know where we're going to end up at the end of it. We could end up at the same place we were at at the, the end of last season when everyone's depressed about how bad United have been. But we're seeing some sort of change at the highest level of the football club. And for me, that's a positive. Agreed, 100%. So um, anyone that's constantly fixated on the negative, you know, that that you're not getting an honest evaluation of the situation there, right? <clears throat> so pros and cons. Pros are, uh, yes, there's been changes made in it. It's uh, personnel changes, okay? What we need to see is there been ideological changes. You know, are, are these people bringing brewing brought in to do the same job as their predecessor, right? Um, because one of the things, you know, that, was missing in this is Richard Arnold turning around saying, we burned through all this cash that's gone. Okay. So tell me this, Richard. And I got two questions. One, why weren't either of you sacked if you're burning through cash and you haven't spent that money well? Um, so, and two, if you've just sat with me and conceded for the last 10 years, You've blown a billion against the wall, wasted it. He was the second most senior employee at the football club, remember. Uh, so if you've done that, uh, why should I trust you? Uh, and, and here's the thing. You ignored every single piece of advice from football people inside that football club that could have avoided this exact outcome. But you chose to ignore it. You and Ed. Okay, so how is it that the Glazers, despite all this waste, have determined that you two should be the best paid employees in your positions in the in all of football? Because that's not consistent with two people that are completely wasting money. Thirdly, to, to imply that this is all Edward Wood's fault really is disingenuous and mendacious, right? Uh, and like I said, yeah, Ed is hurt at the comments. Right. Um, I'm not quoting him or anything here. Just I don't want people running on Twitter saying that. I'm just telling you. Um, no, so please don't do that. Um, but yes, he's heard at the comments. And uh, 
I can tell you that um, it's not, it's disputed in terms of what Richard said. Um, and this wouldn't be necessary, Colin, if Richard and the football club repeatedly gave interviews where they'd answer these questions on the record, where they wouldn't well, that's have true. to, where they wouldn't have to record this, right? This is Manchester United Football Club. They're not in the CIA. There's absolutely no reason whatsoever to not speak to fans and answer these questions. They don't do it because they know the position is indefensible, right? I get it. If you needed, if this was opposite, if the red, if, if if the Glazers were benevolent, putting in hundreds of millions, you wouldn't see them off TV. Right? No. Uh, and the idea that they're think, tough people. They're so they're I so think, they're I, so unafraid of people they can't look much at fans in the eye for 17 years. Well, I think I think that's that's plainly obvious now that, that they are they're they're not how Richard Arnold depicted them in his not. comments. Okay. So I think we all know that. However, the one comment that I think wasn't that didn't sit right with me was the burning through the cash. Yes. So does that does that kind of give us a bit of a, an idea that He's worried that he's inheriting a club now with a financially untenable future. Does he think that maybe there's an imbalance wages, the Glazers' debt? Fan, like, for example, the fans now turning against sponsors, the stadium. Do, is the only way out of this that we sell, sell the naming rights for Old Trafford? No. Because, Merit, here's the thing. We're sitting here talking about things that were unimaginable years ago. Yeah. Right, so essentially, what we're holding hands up and saying, are we in a situation where we have to let the Glazers bleed us dry, destroy every single thing that matters, that's bigger than money, um, so that United can function as a football club and do the things that are most important? See, I, I, we've been talking about this, mate, and I honestly believe this to be true. If you go back to two thousand and nine. Saying around about there. Um, the Glazers refinanced, I think it was in March, right? The of that year. And because they had the credit card interest rates. Hicks and Gillette waited a couple of months and it cost them the football club. Had the Glazers yeah. not have done that back then, I am more or less certain they'd have been in exactly the same situation. Of they got a lucky escape by 10. When you look at the market and you look at future financial projections for borrowing money and everything else, they're not great. You know, it's debt is in dollars. Okay. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake about it. That will be factoring in to how you need to spend. And something that Richard Arnold said, made that he said that uh, the money this summer is there. That's not exactly reassuring. We also now know why Randick wasn't given money in January because it wasn't there. So yeah. when I listen to what the, what I'm hearing here, I'm hearing a football club that really is in a precarious position that if they don't get it right this summer, which is another reason why I think they'll, they'll do it, they don't do it. They could find themselves easily in an irreversible situation Um which would spiral out of control fast, mate, because United are so highly leveraged, they depend heavily on commercial revenue. And one fundamental thing that's different from 2005 when Richard said the protest didn't have much of an impact, yes, but the ubiquity and virality of social media has made organizations so much easier. There wasn't Twitter back then, right? In fact, 
the efficacy of the protest 2010 around about there were much greater, primarily because of the internet and the messaging. Also, to effectively protest, you don't necessarily need to be in a stadium, right? You can target sponsors online. You can do it in so many other ways, right? That affect change. So uh, again, I would say that this could spiral very, very easily if you need it, don't get it right. What, what do you think of uh, the potential for Michael Edwards? This is another question that's come in. Now, I've heard recently he's rejected um, Chelsea and to become their new sporting director. So what do you think of the, the prospect of him joining? You know? In what capacity is a what? I, I think that they're, they're be, as, as a, in a sporting director capacity in, in that role. Well, I mean, that's what they call John Murder. And look, yeah. as I was saying earlier, Tom, John Murder deserves credit in the sense that United's youth team finished bottom of the league when he took over. Right? Yeah. So he rebuilt academies, brought in some good young players to compete with some of the big boys. Right? Um, definitely a positive. I haven't seen enough negative about him to be overly concerned. But what I would say, murder, whatever the final analysis is in Ralph Ranick, mm. right? and you have to say it's negative because he, you know, they didn't like him as a coach. Well, the players didn't like him as a coach and they've terminated his consultancy agreement. Right. Um, Murder has to take responsibility for that. He hired him. And that, again, mm-hmm. would concern me. Because what did you bring him in to do? If you brought him in to be a coach, why did you pick a guy that hasn't coached since 2011? Right? If yeah. you brought him in to build a football club, right? then why did you get rid of him after six months? And, 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 and like, mate, as you can see, what United are going, are going to do and trying to do, you need to look clearly, and this is this is where I'm going to be a little bit cynical. You need to clearly, clearly not targeting the players at the top of the market, right? So oh, Ranić, yeah, that's obvious. That's obvious. Yeah. So Ranić was more a reflection of United's ideological shift than his mm. being been 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 the result of the best available. Correct. Exactly, mate. So they brought in Ranić because you know. Link with more teenagers and Wayne Lineker. Um, <clears throat> bringing in, uh, <laughs> sorry, but, 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 uh, anyway, but uh, when you look at it, he was brought in to bring young players into the football club, right? Best young players yeah. around the world, okay? United, again, haven't got a great track record of pulling this off. You know, Holland and Bellingham being two obvious ones. Well, there's so many other ones that have missed out on repeatedly. Um, and um, clearly, that's what he was brought in to do. Right, um, big. I mean, there's no, when you look at Ranić, what else do you identify him with? So, um, but he wasn't allowed to do the job that he was brought in to do. He got kicked out. Uh, his signings that he recommended, right? So, uh, an unmitigated failure. Yeah. He needed responsible for that. So, Ten Hag comes in. I mean, come take a look at our rivals. If Ten Hag had okay. taken over Manchester City and said to City, I want De Jong as my first son, he's key to the football club, he's key to how I want to play, he would have been signed the day after. 
hundred uh, percent. And I think I think that's where we we're missing, and, and we need to realize that like we're not where we used to be. We look around the, these other teams. Look at Man City squad for next season. Yeah. Look at Liverpool squad for next season. There's strength mm-hmm. and depth. There's there's some of the best players in the world. Haaland's joined City. There's talk of uh, Cucurella from mm-hmm. Brighton joining City today. Yeah. That's a player I'd love to see at United right back. I'd love to see him. He, he also can play defensive midfield. He's the type of player we need to be looking at. But you know what? No, we're not looking at him. There's not even a whisper about it because our rivals are going in, they're taking him, they're getting the, the business done early and that's the end of it. And that's what, what needs to change. Well, and here's the other thing, Matt, that, you know, we're hearing rumours, some noises, Ronaldo not thrilled with, you know, his lack of activity. Of course he's not thrilled. Well... No one's thrilled. Okay. Cast your mind back to Wayne Rooney walking into a dressing room I walked into changing room or the boardroom and saying I'm not happy with the United Slack. I'm not happy. I want this to would be the second time in the Glazers tenure that the seen the, the best player at the football club is went and complained about United's lack of ambition. And by the way, at that time, that also coincided with the financial crash. Remember, United had a deal done for a damn leech, right? Yeah, seven million pounds. Six months. He, he, you need to send him. He's seventeen. Can't send legally till he's eighteen. Ferguson sitting there, begging this kid up. Magnificent, best young player at the Toulon tournament. Whatever it was, he played in the under eighteen World Cup. Whatever it was, right? <laughs> Kids accepts now. We can't wait to get our hands on him, right? So, two things happen. You never end up canceling the thing because. Apparently, he didn't develop in six months. I don't know what he was supposed to develop into. Batman in six months? I don't know, right? And anyone that believes that can see it. And um, cancelled the date. Now, one of the things that came out later on was how much Darcy Glazer took out that Christmas, right? When shopping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the football club were forced to sell Yapstan pre-Glazer because they needed the money. So you're looking at this, they're going, it wouldn't take much for the Glazers to really start to feed the heat. And this is why I feel when United are operating as a football club, I honestly feel calm. Uh, calm. It's because they've got no choice. Because yeah. they can't go back and do what they've done before and spend big. Well, they just don't have any choice because they don't have the budget to be anything other than this. Well, that's it. And it's almost like it's, it's an embarrassment. For you know the fans to be looking around at these other teams like City strengthening like they're strengthening, Liverpool strengthening like they're strengthening. Yes. Yet here we are. We haven't even signed one player yet, but we're the team in the league that gets the most signings. And that's and I, I haven't sold I'm, one I'm talking about that's it. And I'm talking about the whole league. Forget about even these teams that have just come up. We the, from where we are going to where we need to be. We need the most signings in the league, and that's a fact. And. It's just incompetence at the highest level. So let's just hope over the next couple of weeks. I think by the end of this week, we'll have Frankie De Jong, I'm pretty certain. And I think yeah. Alfonso will follow soon after. But hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we'll start seeing more and more signings. Here's the thing, Tom. United should have three or four signings done already. So think about this, oh, yeah. right? So they're already finished the end of the season. They're already behind the likes of Spurs, City, what have you, Liverpool, North. Now they're even further behind. 
because those football clubs, a lot of those clubs were on their second and third signings, you know, and United still haven't sold a single player yet. Not one. I mean, other than the free transfers that have walked out the door. And like, I don't care what your strategy is. If part of your strategy was, hey, by the way, Eric, a week before preseason, we won't have sold a single player, brought one in. Yeah, I don't think that is commensurate with any strategy designed for success. And so you have to say that once again, United are falling behind their intention because I'm quite certain that if they had turned around and said, hey, new football club, learn from the mistakes in the past, one of the first things we're going to do is we're going to play our cards close to their chest and we'll have sagas again this summer. We're the only football club that has these ongoing sagas. And we're going to keep our cards close to our chest. We're going to wait till Barcelona blink. We're going to... And then a couple of days before the window, Barcelona still haven't yeah. blinked. And uh, somebody else comes in because somebody gets injured or something. All of a sudden, PSG or something come in and pay the fee and you never turn around and go, ah, we never really wanted a man. You know, I mean, I know. Here, here's the thing, Calm that they have to understand. There's a lot of new people in new jobs that bring that new enthusiasm, right? Yeah. But what they can't do is they can't forget that the last 10 years have happened. And for no. you and me and all the fans, nothing's changed. So what you can't do at the end of this window is, is line up a bunch of minis and tell me they're Ferraris. You just can't know. And so United are no longer get yeah. So they're no longer going to be judged on what they say. They're going to be judged on what they do. And United are defined by their rivals. So Liverpool and City of what I mean, I had this conversation with people, you know, involved that you know, men, some of the upper echelons of the club going, look, United have had to watch Liverpool and City clean up over the last four years. Absolutely embarrassing, United. Yeah. Right. And so when you're talking about realism, every single new scenario United yeah, fans have to adjust to as a consequence of ineptitude the last 10 years, right? When you're yeah, saying its agree. budget's affected by not qualifying for champions, like United's yeah, budget's heavily affected by dividends, by massive debt payments. That's what handicaps Manchester United. And if you can yeah. tell me one single thing the Glazers have brought to Manchester United that they didn't have before, that's an obvious net benefit, I'm all ears, right? But there's yeah. nothing. And from uh, anyone who loves this football club, their ownership is completely indefensible. It is completely indefensible. Thirdly, where's the custodians of this football club? Because it seems to me, Con, what's more important to United is personal financial gain for a few people versus the well-being of the football club. Because if you had owners, and this is why I don't really put any stock into Richard Arnold saying we've blown through a billion, blah, blah, blah. If you had owners who heavily identified with football success, with saying, this mm-hmm. is the most important thing to me, and we'll monetize the club to death on the back of our football success, go for it. I don't care. If you had owners that said, this is the most important thing to me, this wouldn't have happened, right? Yeah. You, you, you can't. Like, I mean, there's no way. I mean, could you think the Leicester owner, right, would have, would have allowed that to happen? No chance. No chance, no. Yeah. 
and and not the middle news. And I have to be honest, man. I'm here to hear what you have to say on this. Um, the one part of this that I can't put together, right? And it goes back to what Simon Jordan was saying. I don't care how much money you have. No one wants to piss away seven, eight hundred million. And I just don't understand why the Glazers didn't turn around in 2015-16 say, look, guys, we've spent a fortune here. We're going nowhere. None of this stuff's working out. I don't want to keep spending another 100, 150 million on these players worth a fraction of that 12 months from now. You know, like, why? Where's the oversight? You know, even if you know, man, if I, I, I won the New York Yankees, well, what do you think? Why do you think that's happening? I think the only possible thing why this is happening is because they want to still boost their commercial revenue in the USA and they want to look as if they are the big boys, as if they can they control everything. Look at the Tom Brady deal, for example. Look, I mean, look, why look why would you song. still let them spend, though, mate? Why, why do you think they still I think let it's, them spend? It has, like to, it has to be... Uh, I don't know. Is it, is it ego? Yeah, that's what is I'm it, saying. I don't know. Like, I, I, can't, I can't put my, my finger on it. I, I, it makes no sense. It makes no business sense. It makes no commercial sense. But in reality, it makes it makes no sense whatsoever in any aspect to try and understand or fathom why they do that. On top of which, Ned, see the Glazers, right? It would have been such an easy, easy gimme. Because see they turned around in 2016 or so, right? And says, look, we're going to release a statement that's going to say, um, we're going to make a change. We're going to put, we're going to take Edward Bird out of that job. We're going to put a football man in there. Oh, we're going to do this, do this, do this. All right, we're not happy. Oh, yeah. You know, we're still going to spend. We're just not happy with the structure of the football club. It would have been such an easy point scoring exercise, right? Oh, yeah. Because the you know, fans would have actually said, okay, far enough, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if the only thing you change is Edward Ward's job title, so it gives you the illusion that they're making changes. So yeah. what? Right? But see, once again, this tells me just how out of touch and disconnected they are from actual United fans. And like, I mean, if I'm sitting advising the players, as I said, look, sack this guy or change his job title and give United fans the illusion that you can. But uh, again, um, you know, and it's funny, mate. Um, they, when they were saying about uh, Pogba and Lingard and you know the players that are leaking are gone, do they honestly think Pogba and Lingard are the only people leaking at that? Journey? I know, I know, like that's that's laughable. That comment's laughable because there's at least five or six of them. It's not just those two; it's the the whole team. But let's just hope with those two gone, things can change a bit. There can be a bit of um a bit of togetherness in the dressing because it looks as if we've lost that over the past. The past season, and maybe he brings in if there's a good bond, a couple of IX players that can help with Tom Hag. I'm not too sure, but again, that's what on the beat is like an him when he comes back because I think that, that's very important, also. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, I, I, um, be really interested, I made to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. I think we'll see. I think we'll see, like I said, we've talked about this earlier. I think we'll see the, uh, I think, I, I think um, the De Jong deal is probably the only one I'm more than 50% confident about. 
Um, I mean, fifty percent and ninety percent confident. Uh, yeah, well, you, you know, with United, you have to always leave room for things that don't make sense. I mean, I was asked, I asked uh, an individual just about the latest on some of these signings uh, and where United are at with them, and uh, you know, basically what I got back was uh, the reporting on Anthony is uh, exaggerated. Uh, don't dispute the club are interested in, in him, but as of right now, no firm talks with Ajax. Uh, just exploratory with his agent. Uh, see him with Lissandro Martinez. Uh, no change in the situation with Ericsson. Ball's all in his court. And De Jong, Will and Bayer, Will and Seller, all down to the price and player. Uh, one other thing, mate, that I want to contact talk, talk about on this podcast that was uh, basically um, this is hmm, a summary of the bullet points that United are targeting that they want to accomplish. So um, what I was given uh, was, look, last season fell below the required standards. We're driving forward clear strategy to address past failures and improve performance, significant changes to modernize the club structure, refresh the culture, increase the energy and focus on success. <laughs> Looking forward to a fresh start under Ten Hag, we'll back them with investment to strengthen the squad, strengthen our football structure on the leadership of John Murda, as reported. Uh, John Murda supported by strategic hires such as Andy O'Boy and Dominic Jordan. Uh, delivering on commitments to fans, um, improved fan engagement through fans advisory board, multiple other fan initiatives, progress continues towards fan share scheme. Uh, master planners appointed for Old Trafford and Carrington, first concrete steps towards investments, modernized facilities for fans, players and staff. Transfer window, John Murda uh, and team working around the clock with a very clear plan to get deals done that we want. Changes to strengthen scouting, recruitment, data science, or now in the delivery phase. Sorry, mate, I'm almost done here. Uh, preparing deals, preparing the ground for deals and confidence. They'll start to happen really soon. Still only a week into a 12-week window. Significant funds available for investment in the squad. Improve, importantly, financially disciplined and make sure best use of those funds. Uh, last couple of points there. Invested over $1 billion in players since 2013. Uh, similar to state back Manchester City, uh, funds have always been available. Focus now on spending more effectively. Uh, the debt dividends uh, don't affect the ability, ability to invest over one billion spent since 2013. Uh, running MU profitably, including modest return on investment, supports long term health and stability of club. The dividends are small relative to revenues. Uh, lower than average paid by most companies, 1.1% average yield versus 3.9 for the first year 100. Uh, dividends, not just the Glazers, also pension funds and thousands of small investors and funds. That's our low cost and low term annual financing, circa around 3.75. Many clubs of debts representing bigger share of revenues, higher cost. Sorry, man, I'm almost done with this. Um, mm-hmm. own, ownership. Model, now let me get to that part. I just skipped past the back seat. Uh, proud to have self sustaining model rather than dependence on a benefactor. Mm. 
Uh, reliance on investment by owners is not a sustainable model for football clubs. Okay, but nor is take them on the earth. Uh, Chelsea ownership crisis highlights that risk. Uh, United, the most financially transparent football club in football due to their list in the New York Stock Exchange and SEC regulations. Finally, fan engagement. Uh, working hard with must to make fan share scheme a reality and remain committed. Hugely complicated piece of work because of legal and regulatory complexity. Uh, club have delivered on a range of other fan initiatives in the past year, creating the fans advisory board, 11th consecutive year of flat season ticket prices, expansion of the Stratford, expansion of the atmosphere section of Stratford Inn, expansion of junior ticket discounts to the whole stadium, national leadership, uh, and trial and better seated and safe standing, reform of cup ticket, last point. Uh, basically, they uh, scrapped what's the uh, ACF on our cups. Obviously, I know you got your own views on that, Calm. And then, lastly, making progress on our commitment to modernize facilities for fans, players, and staff. So, all I can say um, to that, Phil, is I've never heard a bigger load of bollocks in my life. <laughs> well, and that's the truth, mate. That's that's all that is. That's all okay. just fed a load of bollocks. Because have sure. they have they done anything since that? Zero. Well, hold on. Tell uh, me what is done. Completely agree with you, mate. Right. So bear in mind, um, this was recently furnished, right? And again, goes back to the point that you made earlier, and I completely agree with you. At this point, I'm trying to be positive and give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, mm-hmm. you're going to make these changes. We'll have them in black and white, um, and you're out of time. You're out of the you know, we'll get them right in the future. We'll do this. We'll do this. No, we're past that point. Now we're at the point of delivery. Now we're at the point where the promises have been made and I execute. Uh, we're not willing to yeah. be patient anymore. The guys were saying about, uh, you know, I'm cautiously impatient, but um, cautiously patient. You know, mm-hmm. we're no longer, we're going to be strung along by excuses. So look, there's a lot of good people inside the football club, Matt, as you know. They're not all heathens. They're not all, you know, m- vast majority of people inside United, you know, are not executives. They're ordinary yeah. people making an ordinary wage, you know, and they're they're not stupid. You know, they know what's going on. They see uh, fans, you know, they're, these are people that are coming from football supporting fans, background, everything. They're not stupid, you know, and a lot of them are hurting too. You know, sometimes, you know, the fans go after them on social media, which I think is wrong. You have to understand that a lot of these people are just like you and me. Uh, and a lot of these people are extremely committed to change that really want the, the club to work. So I want to be a wee bit careful because, look, United, you know, are, I mean, I think, Calm, we've been quite open and honest about our evaluation of United. It's not obsequious. You know, United obviously are, you know, quite good with me in the sense that they give me access, they give me interviews and everything. Uh, but I will say, you know, honestly, mate, they never have once come to me and said that's contingent upon you commentating about the football club in a certain way. They've certainly criticised me yeah. for things that I've said, you know, and, yeah. and, and that's, that's fair enough. But, you know, I'm going to say to the people that are involved now who are genuinely wanting to implement these changes to give them the benefit of the doubt but it's a short leash mate and I agree and Nick this is the thing that you have to understand internally is what you just said 
summarizes the feeling of a lot of United fans where they're like, we've heard it all before, right? Yeah. And so trust is always earned. So if you want me mm-hmm. to believe that these are going to be implemented, uh, you know, and uh, then that will only come when they're implemented. And so, like, what I would like to see is a clear stated deadline on when they're going to be implemented and commitments yeah. to be much more transparent. You know, Richard Arnold should be sitting down with a fan group every quarter. Because you see if he did stuff like that, mate? You see yeah. what happened at the weekend? The fans would get slaughtered for that. And rightly so, because there's just no need for it. And, you know, if we, when we talk about trust, native fans have to also realize that works two ways. And mm-hmm. if you're going to plaster someone's emails, private emails, all over the internet, that's totally disingenuous. If you're going to have a conversation cool. with somebody that's not intended for public consumption, they have to be able to operate under the pretense that what they're saying to you isn't going to be plastered all over the internet. Uh, anytime you're having a private conversation with somebody, mate, right? Um, nobody, yeah. no matter how benign it is, nobody wants to plaster all over the internet, right? Um, and once you know that's going to happen, you choose your words very carefully and you don't get an honest, you know, account anymore. And so I just think that that also gives them the excuse uh, you know what, we can't have a relationship. It's totally unacceptable. I, like, I'm not criticizing the lads because I know the 1958 lads. I understand. I support their intent. I support their heart. I support, uh-huh. you know, what, what they want. But I just think that that's not the right way to go about it. And in fact, one of the guys that put Richard's emails online was someone yeah. I knew personally. And I come at him a bit in a direct message and I just said, I totally understand why you did it, but that's unethical, totally disingenuous. Like don't put someone's private communications on the internet. Anyway, but mate, I think one of the differences there, you know, now, you know, they, they can't say this and rely on United Fonts being distracted by what's happening on the pitch and not being held accountable. They're in this position yeah. now where they have to be held accountable. So let's yeah. hope that uh, we can get this. We, we can see a totally different football club. Mate, uh, before we go, do you have any other questions? Anything else we need to get to? Nothing else, mate. No, I think we've covered everything. Yes, folks, um, we're going to be doing a lot of new stuff with the pod. Um, We're going to be doing a lot more uh, live podcasts, so you can watch them live. We'll be doing, obviously, continuing to do the podcast, uh, but uh, on all our other platforms, we're going to be doing a lot more of this, um, and uh, obviously our guests will increase as we go through the summer. Um, if you could give us a follow, if you're not already, up beyond the pitch, follow my colleague here. Colin, what's your exact Twitter ID, mate? Just Colin McGuigan, just my name, C-O-L-M-M-C-G-U-I-G-A-N. Yes, and uh, he is the love child of Barry. So, um <laughs> 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 Uh, uh, yes folks and as I've said in many podcasts before one of the things that we do and it's pinned to the Beyond the Pitch Twitter page is there's uh, shirts available for purchase since the start of the podcast 100% of the proceeds go towards mental health so if you can folks you got a few quid you can show us dollars whatever the case may be that is extremely uh, appreciated 
If you are struggling with mental health issues, folks, please, please, please reach out. Do not struggle alone. We will get you help. Um, you know, don't rely solely on me because I can be screwed with the DMs. But if you're struggling and need someone, folks, please reach out. Uh, myself, Colin, and uh, or you know, someone that you know close to you in your life that you can trust. Just don't suffer alone, please. And uh, this is going to be a very difficult time over the next year or so with everything that's going on with COVID and job horses and the cost of living going through the roof and everything. I know so many people are struggling, um, but uh, you're not alone. And please understand, there's always help out there for you. So much love to each and every one of you. If it's you, your family or whatever, please, folks, know no matter immensely. Um, so much love to all of you. Come, see and go to yourself. Thanks, man. Uh, keep, your, keep your head up, we man. Uh, keep doing the brilliant job that you're doing. Uh, if you're a boxing fan, by the way, folks, get check out this guy, Paul Boxing. Does a podcast with himself. Uh, Ryan McLaughlin, Conor McLaughlin. Ryan, of course, used to play for Liverpool. And uh, he is... Uh, for, is it Fleet? Who's he playing for? Fleetwood or... Who's he playing for now? Ran's it. Yeah. Rans at Morgan. Morgan and uh, of course, Connor. Yes, brilliant lads. Uh, check out their, their podcast. And... Um, we will be back again next week, mate. And uh, thanks a minute. Yes, well, one final point, sorry, mate, for keeping on late. Thanks to all of you folks that have reached out to me about my son. Much appreciated. Uh, calm, all the best, mate. Take it easy. Thank you, mate. Have a good one. Yes, mate. See you. Cheers, bye.